0: Welcome to Season 2, Episode 12 of Breaking Down Barriers, a podcast for entrepreneurship community practitioners. This podcast is a production of Startup Space, an entrepreneurship community building platform. I'm your host, David Panraj. We're launching this podcast to highlight the stories of everyday community leaders who break down barriers to entry for underserved and underrepresented entrepreneurs. Today, we'll be speaking with Amanda Kelly, who is the Small Business Training Director at the Southeast Kentucky Economic Development Corporation, or SCED. Welcome, Amanda.
1: Thank you, David. I really appreciate you having me on today.
0: Yes, you've been one of our earliest clients, so we're thrilled to bring you on the show. And also, you're based in rural Kentucky, which I think will resonate really well with our audience. So, can you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about SCED?
1: Absolutely. So SCED is a 35-year-old CDFI. We are located in eastern Kentucky, and I service all 45 counties of the eastern third of the state. So we are, we are working in the poorest of poor communities in the nation, really. And we do small business loans. But my role at SCED is to do technical assistance. I do small business training. I teach people how to start businesses and then how to grow them. And I'm their trusted advisor through the entire process. So from idea to actually opening their doors and growing their business, I work with them. And depending on the client, sometimes I work with them every couple of days. Sometimes it's once every six months we touch base, but it's on their, their schedule and their needs.
0: So what got you into this business and how long have you been doing this?
1: So I've, I've been at SCED for about six years. I came from the for-profit world and I came from running businesses and oddly enough, I, I was working at an organization. It was a, it was a small family owned business and the owner wanted his grandson to go through this entrepreneurship class. And he asked me to go with him to help him through it. And I took this class that Sked had put on and I was like, wow, that's really cool. I love this idea. And it just so happened shortly after I took that class, the the person who was doing this before me was retiring. So I had the opportunity to apply and I'm passionate about small business. I'm passionate about helping people. And it was just a perfect fit for me.
0: Can you tell me a little bit about the unique challenges of uh, rural Kentucky and just rural America?
1: Absolutely. We, we are a coal country. And when coal left the economy, it left a gaping hole in eastern Kentucky. Everything was centered around coal. They were the best paying jobs. People had good incomes. And that had a trickle down effect to, you know, the grocery stores, to the convenience stores, to the movie theater, to every other portion of the economy. So not only do we have an economic issue in eastern Kentucky, we also have a broadband issue. We there are some places that still don't have Internet to their homes. We have just a geographic issue. It takes me about four hours to drive from one end of my service territory to the other. And just getting places to be able to help people is a challenge. And then there's also the fact that these communities are super tight knit. And it took me years to be able to find the right partners in each community that would build some trust around me and what I did. These folks typically don't have a love for government programs. And so trying to, show them that not only will I tell them I'm going to help them, but I'll actually follow through and do it.
0: Wow. So you talked about uh, broadband, uh, access to broadband being a a big issue. Can you tell us a little bit about what does this recovery look like from not just COVID, but the recovery from losing uh, the employment provided through the coal industry? Are there programs that you've seen work effectively? Uh, Are there people looking at small business activity as a way to get out of this?
1: I think small business activity is the only way to get out of this. If we focus on bringing one industry in that would take the place of coal, I think we're setting ourselves up for the same issue in the future. And I've spent the last six years working very hard to help people figure out their, their ideas to start a small business, but then also figuring out the way to follow through with it to make it possible. I think that if we can build the small business community, this, this area of the country is, is beautiful. I mean, we have some of the, the coolest things that you can come and see and do. And we have the hardest working people that are incredibly dedicated and want to succeed. So when you put those two together, we can we can figure out a way to increase tourism to increase small business because of tourism. We have so much to offer here and getting the word out about what we have is key to having that that work. I worked with a, a campground in Red River Gorge and got them to start using Instagram and Snapchat to help People find their location. It was off the beaten path, but people from all over the world were coming to this location to climb in these rocks. And once we started using Instagram and Snapchat and some other platforms, that word got out, and their business tripled.
0: Wow! So I love this story. I've actually been White River rafting in uh, uh, in the Smokies, and mm-hmm. you know in the Appalachian mountains so tell me a little bit about you you mentioned one thing here which is uh, technical assistance right which is they didn't know about how to bring their business online right what are some other intrinsic challenges that small businesses face when they get started because if you've been working for somebody else entrepreneurship can be completely taught but it doesn't come naturally it's not like you're born as an entrepreneur so what are some things that other than um the online training that you've provided that you find is like immediate barriers?
1: The fear is is definitely an immediate barrier. People are scared to, to kind of take that leap into everything's on your shoulders now. And if, if I can work with them to, to show them that, while yes, you are taking a leap in starting your own business, but here are all the things that you have to gain by it. And you've got this support network that is here to help you when you have questions about how to do your income tax um, employee deductions, how to do all of the different things that you don't get to see as an employee. You only see those once you have your own small business. So there's always these things that come up that are the unknowns. And if we can bring those unknowns to light, It gives people the confidence that they need to be able to go out and start their own business.
0: One of the things that we've found in our surveying of small business across the country is that access to capital is such a big problem. About 50% of all businesses say that the number one challenge they face is access to capital. And if you're not a small business, this actually doesn't immediately resonate with you because the flip side is we see shark tank and people waiting to give you money, which is not the reality for 99.9% of small businesses that get started. So how do you tackle this problem? And how do you kind of educate your entrepreneurs about the realities of finding capital to start your business?
1: Part of what I teach, it starts with their personal credit. So when when I'm teaching a class, we go through you know what a credit report is it's I don't want to say this the wrong way but it it does amaze me with every class on how many folks don't have a solid understanding of of even their personal credit score so we talk about what that is how to build that up and how to fix that but then Sked is a non-traditional lender so we typically do the loans that banks can't do and we tend to stay a lot of our loans are under $50,000. So we do, we do the smaller loans. We have our director of lending is very creative and he will come up with ways to make things work. When, when most lenders would just say, you know what, nope, we're, it's too hard for us. We're not going to do it. So we have a a great staff that, that really supports the entrepreneurs and finding a way and, and being able to make these dreams happen.
0: So, so capital is a challenge. The fear of starting a business is a challenge. Yep. And technical assistance around how to bring your business online uh, is a challenge. Can you talk about other challenges that might be focused on just uh, your region around starting a business?
1: The fact that a lot of people have, have left the area because the coal jobs left. So we definitely have an employee shortage. Uh, it's difficult to find people here that, that want to work and are willing to work. And when you own your small business, it's hard to realize that nobody is going to work as hard for your small business as you are. And it's hard to put trust in people to do jobs so that you can focus on other things in the business. So it's definitely a challenge to grow because it's hard to find the right people in the right positions, but it's also hard for the entrepreneur to let go enough to be able to focus on other things that that can help them grow.
0: Yeah. So the, the drain of talent from your region is also a real challenge to it's, starting yes. a business. Let's shift to a little bit more uh, fun topic, which is, do you have stories of businesses that have started during the pandemic or have made it through the pandemic and are used the pandemic as an opportunity to grow?
1: Yes. And yeah, I've got a lot of stories. Uh, One of my, the one I'll start with is a hardware store that I have worked very, very closely with. And they actually opened August of last year. So right in the middle of the pandemic, they opened their store. I had been working with, it's called Pro Trade Hardware, and it's a husband and wife team. They came from management in the Kroger grocery store. and So they have a lot of retail experience, but not a lot of hardware experience. So they opened up this, it's a small hometown type of hardware store, and I love I love working with them because they are so willing to to listen and look at new ideas but I'd been working with Jen for about 2 years prior kind of working this idea out and figuring everything out and getting everything set up and then it came time to open in the middle of the pandemic so we had to get really creative on different ways that we could market and bring people into the store while still following our, our social distancing guidelines and all of the, the COVID rules. But I'm, I'm happy to report that they're they're doing well. They have the most incredible customer service. They're starting to figure out where their niche is. And they, they've kind of moved, they're, they're still doing a lot of hardware, but they're also adding a lot of outdoor grilling uh, features to their business, which has helped them tremendously. So, they are—they're one of the the businesses that I work with on a weekly basis. They call me when they have questions, and I'm always here to help them.
0: I love the story. I can just imagine uh, the the expansion opportunities that they uh, saw through through COVID. Can you tell us a little bit about the programs that either you've offered before COVID or that you've brought on since COVID? I know you've mentioned the. The piece around bringing businesses online, which I think is is massive, right? If, you're, if you don't have an online presence today, you're not going to be able to survive and compete.
1: hundred percent. So when I started at SCED, we were teaching a class called Smarts, and that was a business planning course. It was a course that we purchased through the Northeast Entrepreneur Fund. And we taught, it was a 12-hour class, and we taught people basically how to go through the process of writing their own business plan. And that class was, was going really well. The Appalachian Regional Commission was funding our, our teaching of the class. Uh, we ended up having close to 600 people graduate through that program, which is, is pretty great. We don't have the densest of populations. So the Appalachian Regional Commission came to us and said, okay, you guys have done great with this. What's next? and i started polling our graduates and i said what what else can we help with what what else can we do that would be beneficial to your business and the thing that they came back with almost unanimously was they needed help with digital marketing building a website how to do facebook for business how to do ads how to do all of these different components for their online presence for their business and we started this it's then about three years ago, we we started looking for a curriculum much like the Northeast Entrepreneur Fund's curriculum for us to bring to our clients. And I couldn't find one. So I decided, well, if I can't find one, I can make one. So we we started and we we put together an entire curriculum. Right now it's about 26 different topics. And We teach people how to set up their Google business listing and get it verified, how to do Facebook and Google ads, how to build a website, cybersecurity, how to handle that, how to do retargeting ads, how to do all of these different things that can help you grow your business. And eventually we were teaching it just in in our service territory in a face-to-face class. Everybody had a computer in front of them and they were actually going through and building their website during class. So we were there to help them. But then we realized that it would probably be a great idea to put all of these on video to where people could access them when it it suited them. Not everybody can make a class from five to eight in the evening. And we wanted to make sure that everybody who wanted access to this curriculum could get it. So that's when we partnered up with, with Startup Space to, to bring these videos online to where people could access them but then also access all of the other resources that startup space provides
0: it's fascinating and we're going to go back there in a minute in terms of how do we provide these tools that can help people find what they need uh, in a much more democratic way than than today where you have to know somebody who knows something right how do you get information out there Let's shift focus for for a minute to economic development. You're called Southeast Kentucky Economic Development Corporation. And economic developers have traditionally looked at economic activity through bringing businesses in. It's like the Amazon HQ2s, et cetera. What have you seen in your community around economic activity that's being driven through small business starts? Because we are such big advocates for, for small business being the economic engine very much like what you all are doing. Can you speak to that? Because I think you'll be one of those few voices who'll add to the growing chorus of people saying small businesses should be at the center of this recovery.
1: I 110% agree that small businesses are the center of this recovery. And if if we can really support our small businesses, we're going to see an economic boom after the fact because of it. Small businesses are are the people in our communities. These are not people sitting in a big building, 5,000 miles away, making decisions. These are people that are, they are part of our community. They're involved in our schools. They're involved in our civic organizations. They're involved in our volunteer activities. Their heart and soul is in the community in which they live and work and by supporting these small businesses we're supporting our entire community and then our entire region and making everything better i've i've really really loved the the push that i've seen in the past 12 15 months around shopping local and finding a way to help these businesses stay afloat during this challenge and i could not be prouder of the work ethic and their drive to to find a way to succeed. I I would think that employees, people that didn't have a vested interest would have just given up because it was hard. And it was it was it was challenging and finding a way to make make it through this has been amazing to to watch these business owners pivot. I've got a, a roller skating rink that I work with. At the beginning of the shutdown, I mean, they were completely shut down. They couldn't have anybody in-house. And they figured, well, we've got all of this food in the freezer. They made pizzas. And they put it out on Facebook that, hey, you know what? We've got pizzas for sale. Come by. That way all the food didn't go to waste. So everybody pivots. Everybody finds a way. And the entire community benefits because of it.
0: So in other words, you're saying that this pandemic and most challenges give us these entrepreneurs who are innovative and come up with new ways to do business and significantly move the community forward because they are the ones that who are being creative and thinking about new ways to, to help people. So let me shift topics to one other topic that is also uh, important to our audience and we see play out across the country and every region has this unique challenge around social issues because community development is at the core of economic development, right? It's not just about putting money in their pockets. It's also about the the entire society. What are some challenges in rural America that you also have to address as part of this economic recovery?
1: We we have a huge drug issue in, in Eastern Kentucky. And we have, there's a stigma around recovery and people that are going through recovery or have been through recovery that they are not at the same level as somebody who's not been through that. And I can tell you a thousand percent that that is wrong. I've had the opportunity to teach entrepreneurship in five different recovery centers in Eastern Kentucky. And the, quality of business plans that has come out of those five recovery centers and the drive to succeed and the drive to give back is so much stronger in those folks than in in any other class I've ever taught. And I, I think that figuring out a way to break down the stigma that surrounds people who have have gone through recovery is, is one of the most important things we can do to help the economy of Eastern Kentucky.
0: Thank you for sharing that. And these are hard topics, but they are important topics. And if we don't talk about it, and if we don't bring this, uh, to light, we won't be able to provide the, the real solutions that are needed. I agree. Let's, uh, let's switch to, uh, some of the lessons learned. We also have several CDFIs that uh, work with us and uh, partner with us in communities. What have you learned uh, in your six years doing this work, and also in the last fifteen months? What have you learned that uh, that you're going to, you know, write down to to remember and share with uh, with your mentees or people that you're bringing on that that can be helpful for us?
1: When I first started this. I had a very, very strong understanding of financials. And I assumed that if you owned a small business, you had the same understanding. And I quickly learned that that is not necessarily the case. And being willing to sit down and talk numbers and break things down, okay, profit margins, operating costs, cost of goods sold, all of those things have to be fully understood by the business owner in order to be successful. And I was always when I first started, I was afraid to get into that with folks because that's a personal thing talking about how much money you're making. But I found that the more time I spend making sure that they have a solid foundation of understanding of their financials, that makes their business a hundred times stronger. So now I will spend a lot of time going through and we even we go through, you know, what a cash flow statement is, what a P&L is, what a balance sheet is, and where those numbers come from. Because accountants tend to hand those papers over to them and and don't necessarily explain them as as well as they should. So I spend a lot of time doing that. And through through this pandemic, I've realized that doing that has really helped the businesses that I work with because if they have a better understanding of the cash flow statement they can figure out how long they can make it without having an income they they can plan better and they can prepare better for crazy things like covid
0: yeah this is fascinating just to hear about the, the realities uh, and the practical tips around how do you help small businesses There are two things that you've mentioned that we've seen around the country. One is this need for one-on-one. A lot of small businesses need to talk to somebody. They, They can do workshops, they can do videos, but at the end of the day, they just want to pick up the phone and talk to someone, a trusted advisor in their community. And the second one is around understanding your financials. I think everybody who either had these documents already prepared or understood cash flow statements, I think has made it through the pandemic, right? Um, one of the requirements for PPP and IDLE was to have a way to have your books in order so that you could apply for these programs, and uh, and I think a lot of small businesses are starting to appreciate the need to not just have your accountant know this, but you also have to know this. Um, and one is for, of course, for financial assistance, but more importantly, if you understand your cash flow statements, you are going to have a healthy business. You are going to know if you are bleeding money right? Exactly. Uh, so that's, <laughs> that's, that's fascinating. Now, we'll also uh, would like to ask you about are there lessons learned on things that, uh, that people that are just starting out either in financial assistance or in support that, uh, that should be lookouts for? Uh, if I'm you know somebody who's just graduated and want to get into community development or economic development, what are some things that I need to know uh, around just my career in this space?
1: I think one of the most important things is a willingness to listen. I've, I've seen advisors that, that work in this field tend to project their ideas and their thoughts and their goals on their clients. And I think one of the most important things is to listen to what your clients want. Not everybody wants to have a $5 billion tech startup. Some people are completely happy making quilts in their basement, and selling them. And if we don't listen to what the goals are of our clients, we're not going to help them reach their goals. And that's the most important thing. So listening, the ability to to put their needs and their wants and their desires, first and foremost, I think is the most important thing.
0: I wish you gave us something that was like, you know, you had to go get a degree. You said, no, just listen. <laughs> Sometimes the simplest things are the hardest things to do. Uh, I, I love it. So uh, before we close, I do want to ask you about BeBoss Online and how you came about this idea. And because I want our listeners to be able to go check it out uh, and provide feedback. Uh, and, you know, if there is some utility in the community to reach out to you to see how they can use this content, can you tell us a little bit about how it started and what it does?
1: Yeah, it started because my clients wanted it and I couldn't find it anywhere to buy. So I I created it started with it was about 12 lessons when when we started be boss online and throughout the the past 3 years we've added more and more lessons based on what our clients were wanting. So this is this is a a curriculum if you will that teaches people how to use digital marketing for small business. There is nothing there's no rocket science involved, there's no secret sauce. All I do is explain how to use these different platforms in the simplest, easiest form possible for small business owners. And I do that by making it, it it's a follow along type of class. I show you where to click and tell you what each button does and how to how to manipulate the different programs and how to use this stuff to help you grow your business. So I just make it as simple as possible for the small business owners to get what they need and get out.
0: That's awesome. I, I've personally seen it. And I think one of our team members told you that we ourselves used it in, you know, in right, building some of our uh, social media collateral. So it's extremely useful. Last question, how can people find out about you uh, if they want to reach out to you and how can they find out more about Sked? Um, and of course, uh, the BBOSS Online platform.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Sked can be found at skedcorp.com. Uh, you can email me at amanda at skedcorp.com, uh, bbossonline.com. All of these, these different ways you can feel free to email me. I love talking to people anywhere about small businesses. I'm passionate about growing them and I'm always looking for new ideas. So I would love to hear feedback and, and just have a good conversation around how we can help these small businesses.
0: Thank you so much, Amanda, for joining us today. It's been uh, very enlightening. I've written down a bunch of things that I myself have to go back and <laughs> make sure that I revisit, uh, for our business. Thank you. And, uh, We hope that we can bring you back on the show uh, sometime in the future.
1: Thank you so much, David. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Breaking Down Barriers, a podcast for entrepreneurship community practitioners hosted by David Ponraj. Special thanks to guest Amanda Kelly for joining us. Show notes by creative director Jackie Dietrich. Edited and produced by Lauren Bernard. If you'd like to suggest interviewees, new topics, or just want to reach out, please email us at podcast at space, All Breaking Down Barriers episodes are available on our website or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Feel free to rate, review, and subscribe for all the latest updates.